It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The 2020 season did not quite go as planned for Reds fans as the playoffs ended abruptly in the wild card round. Now the Reds are left to pick up the pieces during the offseason and fix a lineup that was the worst in Major League Baseball. How are they going to do it? What are they going to do? Rumors, transactions, news, all here on the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Let's go. What's going on, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. On today's show, I want to talk to you about the role that social media might have played in Dick Williams stepping down. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Also, want to point out the play that turned around the red season may not be what you're thinking. We'll get to that all here in just a minute. But before we do, make sure that you are subscribed on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Gar with three F's and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and save the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. All right, so I've got a rhetorical question for you to begin today's podcast. Have you ever Logged on social media and just said, you know what? I'm good. I'm logging off. I'm turning this off. I'm closing out this app. I'm done looking at it. We're done for the day. Have you ever done that? Have you ever seen uh, some kind of crazy back and forth between a couple of different people and just thought, you know, I'm glad I'm not in that? Well, this weird story comes out over the weekend. From John Fay in the Enquirer, saying that Dick Williams stepping down, a huge factor in that was social media. Really? I didn't even know Dick Williams paid attention to social media. Apparently, he did. In the story, it talks about the effect that social media had on him. Now, I do know that Jamie Ramsey and Lisa Braun and those fine folks over there working for the Reds and their social media team and all that great stuff, they are very appreciative of the job that Dick Williams had done for the social media side of the Reds. They were very happy with how Dick Williams approached at least the Reds promoting themselves through social media and things like that. Apparently, however, on a personal scale, social media really bothered him. John Fay quoted Dick Williams in this article. He said, and this is Dick Williams saying this, I've been doing this for a while now. I don't know if it's just me, but there is a lot more negativity out there than there ever used to be. In this seat, it's my job to wear it every day. Eh? The talk show hosts, the tweets, the negative articles, whatever is out there, I can tell you, I feel like it's my job to soak all that up. It's really not. He goes on to say, This feels as appropriate as the time as any to thank my wife and kids for being there for me and keeping me positive. It's not a lot of fun to soak up all the negative energy. I get frustrated when the team doesn't win. I get bummed out. 
But when I see all the anger and the hate out there and try to make it go away for the people that believe in us, that's just part of the job. It is? How many executives, how many managers, how many players do you hear on a year-by-year basis of saying, oh, yeah, we tune all that out. Yeah, we, 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 don't, we don't pay attention to any of that stuff. Dick Williams is sitting here telling you that he pays attention to every single bit of it, and it negatively affects him almost as much as losing the actual game. If the Reds lose, and then he gets on Twitter and he sees people mad about the Reds losing, then he goes further into sort of a negative hole or something. I don't think he was in depression or anything like that. I know that that's a serious thing, but it sounds like this really, really weighed on him, at least according to this report. And look, I can only take what I know. I can only take it on face value, what has been said. He wants to spend more time with his family. Now it's saying that he wants to leave the job because social media and the talk show hosts and the negative articles and all of it has just piled on to him and he, he just needs to get away from it all. Okay, that, that's interesting to me. I, I, I don't know any other executive or manager, or someone in a leadership role of a sports team, let alone baseball or, you know, any specific sport, just all sports in general. I've never heard that before. And maybe I'm glossing over something that is super glaring and obvious, but for the most part, like, so you're telling me that Dick Williams saw what was being said on Twitter about the Reds over the last five years, which was really the meat of his tenure, really the time in which he was the president of baseball operations, aside from Walt Jockety, while Jockety was not involved, he was really the guy for five, almost six years. And the whole time he felt like it was his deal to soak up the negative energy of Twitter. Yeah, I'd be done with my job too, if, if that's what it was, especially if your job was running a baseball team that when you go back to 2014, they have the worst record in Major League Baseball. Because if you're soaking up all that negative energy, my goodness, I can imagine how crazy it must be to try and go home and relax. I can imagine how bummed out, kind of like he said, he said he was bummed out. I don't blame him. I also question him. Why on earth did he do that? That's not the job of an executive. An executive is to do exactly what he did. He led the team into a new era, so to speak. That kind of sounds dramatic, but basically he modernized the Reds. He improved their facilities in Arizona. He improved their roster through trades and free agent acquisitions and all this stuff. And all the while, he was living in social media and soaking up all the negative energy that can tend to be Reds country. And really, when you think about it, just Cincinnati sports fans in general, we got a lot of negative energy amongst the Cincinnati sports community. Because let's face it, there's not really been a ton to be positive about. Yeah, okay, we've had little incremental progress here and there and little tiny periods of, oh, hey, they had more wins than losses or something like that. But it's not like we've had championships or anything. I, I, I don't understand as to why he decided to take on this burden. Did someone tell him to do this? Did Bob Castellini or did uh, one of the owners, did Walt Jockety do this and tell Dick Williams he should do this? Which I seriously doubt Walt Jockety ever even logged on to any social media, let alone soaked up all the negative energy. So I don't know where this came from. 
It's kind of a weird thing. And it makes you wonder what the whole story is. He wants to spend more time with his family. His social media thing is really bumming him out. I, I, I don't know about all this. And if you do like a read between the lines thing, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not trying to spew conspiracies right now for you here on this Monday morning. But these two things, the I'm leaving to spend more time with my family and I'm leaving because social media really bums me out, really seem to point to a much larger thing that has nothing to do with either one of these. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just going a little bit off the rails and connecting dots that aren't there. But it, it, I would wonder exactly why he stepped down because these seem like all really uh, feel good reasons you know like gosh golly gee he really he really got bummed out by social media all you negative reds fans out there you guys should think about being more positive you're gonna chase away good people in this organization like come on that's what it sounds like i know that they're not gonna say oh this is not what we meant i know they're not gonna say that but it just seems to point to a bigger picture that is not so feel good hunky dory and I don't know, maybe we'll find out the whole story. We probably never will. The Reds are very adept at playing things close to the chest, especially here over the last five, six years. So I'm not exactly sure that we'll ever know, but it just it leaves the door open for my mind to wonder what the bigger picture is here. Because I don't know that I can take this on face value anymore. I could be wrong there. I could be wrong. Anyway, that's just it's something. If you had not seen that story, go check it out. It's on the Enquirer. John Fay wrote it about Dick Williams and social media being a catalyst for him leaving. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you got a completely different take on this. Maybe you think I'm nuts. Let me know. 513-549-0159 or on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and at Locked on Reds for the show. Uh, coming up here, I've got the play of the year. The play that turned everything around for the Cincinnati Reds, or at least... Got everything going. The catalyst, if you will. The social media to the losing streak uh, resigning from the Reds. Or, I don't know, whatever. That, that was a terrible joke. Anyway, before we get into that, though, I'm telling you, you got to check out Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order. Built Bar will completely transform your snack game. It's a protein bar, yeah. And it's got a lot of healthy stuff, yeah. But it tastes like a candy bar. We're talking about four grams of sugar and four grams of fat for almost 16 grams of protein on some of the bars with cherry barcia as a flavor, cookies and cream as a flavor, German chocolate cake. These are not words that you hear in some boring old health bar. No, because Built Bar is not that way. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like the candy bar that you wish you could grab at the checkout aisle. Check them out at BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code Locked On for $10 off your first order of amazingly nutritious and specifically delicious Built Bar. I get it. It's a little bit weird to begin a Monday podcast talking about some kind of conspiracy Jeff's connecting dots thing. But think about this for a minute. An entire story was written about Dick Williams stepping down from his dream job with the organization that he has been with for the last 15 years of his life because social media has been bumming him out. 
That's just what I'm saying. This points to a bigger picture. I'm not sure what that is. I'm not sure if we'll ever hear it, but it's something to think about, something to look for. All right, let's jump into something happy. Let's talk about So last Monday, we talked about the first half of the Red season, and I had meant to do a, little, a lot more uh, recaps, a lot more uh, wrapping things up, reviewing a bunch of different stuff from the season last week, and then everything got thrown on its head in the middle of the week. So real quick, I wanted to talk about the second half of the season, the fun part that everybody loved. I loved it. You loved it. You're listening to a Reds podcast here during basically the Reds offseason. It's the postseason, but the Reds aren't in it. You've got the Astros, and you've got the Rays and the ALCS, and you've got the Braves, and you've got the Dodgers and the NLCS. None of those are the Reds, but you're still listening to Locked On Reds, and I appreciate you for doing that. So when I look at the second half, I think, you know, there's a bunch of different stuff that happened. Really, the bullpen just tightened up quite a bit, got into a much more formidable position than they were in the first half of the season, and really, the hitting didn't get much better. In fact, if you look at the hitting, some of the numbers got a little bit lower. Some of the numbers got a little bit smaller. The batting average went down a little bit. On-base percentage went down a little bit. They just experienced some very nice, timely hitting. They were able to get the breaks that they needed as well. And for me, the play that kind of turned it all around happened on September 13th. Up until this point, they'd kind of floundered a little bit. They began September off with the worst loss of the season. The Cardinals absolutely destroyed the Reds 16-2. to And all of us, I don't know anybody that didn't write them off that day. Everyone was like, oh, this team ain't going to the playoffs. Are you kidding me? They just lost by two touchdowns in baseball. You don't score touchdowns in baseball. You score them one at a time. And they're down by 14. They lose by 14. That's it. They're, uh, forget about it. Then they go to Pittsburgh, and they split that series, and you're like, yeah, this is – no, 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 no. If, if you're coming back, if you're going to make that run, you needed to win this series. This was not something that you mess around with. Then they go to Chicago, and they win one out of two. And you're thinking, yep, if we didn't write them off before, they're definitely done now. Then they go to St. Louis, and they split the first two games of that series. In fact, they lose 7-1 to one on September the 12th. And that kind of felt like 16-2. to two. To be honest with you, that felt like a gut punch as well. So then Sunday comes. And Sunday just so happens to be the first game of the Joe Burrow era for the Cincinnati Bengals. So those of us that were Reds and Bengals fans, by that point, the fact that the Reds just really didn't feel like they were anywhere close to the postseason, and with the newness, the new car smell of Joey uh, Burrow, not Joey Votto, Joey Burrow, that had our attention split. And while we were half paying attention, they beat the Cardinals 10-5 to to win that series in St. Louis and turn their season around. And there was a play in that game in which I believe the red season completely turned on its head. That's made all the difference in this inning. Ball gets away from Molina. Here comes a run to the plate. The Reds have the lead. A rarity that the ball gets past Yadier Molina. After a bases loaded walk, the Reds gifted with another run. You're probably sitting there like, really, Jeff, a wild pitch? That's what you picked? You picked a wild pitch? It couldn't have been a home run? In fact, it couldn't have been the home run that Eugenio Suarez hit in the very next inning to extend the lead? 
It couldn't have been some amazing defensive play. Maybe a web gym. Maybe a top 10 play on SportsCenter. It was a wild pitch by a Cardinals reliever? Yes, I'm serious. Andrew Miller throws this wild pitch that Tyler Stevenson scores, and the Reds take the lead, just like Jim Day said. The Reds did not relinquish that lead. In fact, they gave up no more runs to the Cardinals in that game, and they were able to win 10-5. to And that turned things on their head, because then Pittsburgh comes to Cincinnati, and the Reds sweep them. And then the White Sox come to town. They take two out of three. Then the Brewers come to town, two out of three. Then they go to Minnesota, and they finish the season off by winning, you guessed it, two out of three. That's where everything turned. Because at that point, the Reds hit the corner. At that point, their backs were up against the wall. There was no more room left to give. They had to win. They had to win pretty much every game the rest of the way. They only lost three games over the course of the next two weeks. And that wild pitch was the catalyst of all of it because one of the biggest problems, especially in the first half of the Reds, was missed opportunities and bad breaks, really. I know we hated to hear that. I know whenever they came out and they said, boy, our Babip sucks. And we, boy, we thought, man, that was a cop-out. That was a total excuse. What on earth are you doing? Just get better and win. I'm tired of hearing excuses. But if you really step back, if you take your fan heart out of the equation for a minute and you look at what the Reds did objectively and you see that BABIP, you see the crazy amount of like just untimely double plays where you got the leadoff runner on and then bam, two outs. So many of that happened. So many of those scenarios took place in the first half that they stopped during this period. After this wild pitch, something like Jim Day said, that Yadier Molina does not allow to happen very often, kind of kicked things in gear for the Reds. And that's one of the things that Dick Williams even said in his kind of 2020 exit interview was like he felt like the Reds team had turned a corner, and if it was a 162-game season, we would only see them getting better. We would only see them gaining more momentum and gaining more ground in the standings, even on the Cubs in the division. And it's hard for us to accept that after a playoff sweep of epic proportions that happened at the hands of the Braves. But even still, you can allow yourself to understand where he's coming from, even though you may not totally agree with the fact that he's evaluating a 60-game season based on a 162-game season because that didn't make a whole lot of sense. But I I went over that last week. I already kind of touched on that. When it comes to this pivotal play, though, this is what set everything else in motion. Guys started getting breaks. You started seeing better at-bats from guys. You started seeing longer at-bats from guys. This is kind of where Shogo finally started to take off. He had already shown signs over the last couple of games before this 10-5 win in St. Louis, and then it all just clicked. And he finished the last month of the season with a 456 on base percentage. That's almost one out of every two plate appearances the man was getting on base. He also had a 317 batting average in 63 at bats. He had more hits in the month of September than he did in August and July combined. Dude was starting to figure it out. And I'm looking forward to seeing him continue to figure it out next season because I don't think we've seen 
exactly who Shogo is. I think he's a lot more like his September version than he is his July and August version. And we'll dig deep into that on Shogo Day coming up. We're going to do some in-depth player reviews Throughout the offseason, we'll be taking a look at basically the entire roster and going in-depth on their 2020. That's going to be coming up here soon. But on tomorrow's podcast, we're going to go in-depth a little bit more here with the second half of the season. I want to try and dig into what exactly it was that changed. I'm not going to just sit here and say, boy, they got a lot more lucky in the second half of the season. I want to go a little bit more in-depth than that. We're going to do that tomorrow talking about the successes of the second half of the season for the Cincinnati Reds. So make sure you check that out. Best way to not miss any episode is to subscribe on whatever current podcasting platform you're listening to, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, the Himalaya podcasting app, Podbean, whatever you got. Also follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked on Reds and save the Locked on Reds line number into your phone at 513-549. 0159. But that'll do it for us here on today's episode. Now, tell your smart device to play the Locked On MLB podcast, and I will talk to every single one of you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.